Good morning, everyone. Danny, thanks for leading that. I, I like that song, too. It's not in our hymn books up at Aetna, so I'm good, good, to, good to hear that and sing it again. And I, I want to thank the church here for studying this subject that we're studying this weekend because there, there's just a lot of societal pressure right now. It'd be easy to just kind of wimp out on this subject and when, you know, we'll, we'll find some other things to teach about. But, but just so vitally important to the world we live in, as it's always been. You know, the, the importance of the home, and I'm not, I'm not going to rehash the, the sermon Friday or Saturday night, but, but we saw Friday night, Matthew 19, Jesus pointed back to the divine origins of marriage. When asked the question, is it okay to divorce for just any reason, Jesus started with, have you not read, which he, that he which made them in the beginning made them male and female and said. And, and so, you know, we, we have to remember, again, as Psalm 100 verse 3, uh, it, is, it is God who made us and not, not we ourselves. We are His people. That... that Marriage is from God. Marriage is a divinely originated thing. Marriage is an honorable institution. Last night, Hebrews 13 and, and verse 4. And uh, marriage has great... And, and our upbringing and our family, our parents, our grandparents have a great impact on us. In 2 Timothy 1 and verse 5, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. And over in chapter 3 and verse 15, he encourages Timothy how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Paul compliments Timothy's mother and grandmother for teaching him the scriptures, teaching him the Old Testament writings, giving him a foundation of knowledge and faith in God. And he encourages Timothy here in chapter 3 to, to go back to that. Don't lose sight of the things that you were taught by your prior generations. Cling to those things and remember the inspiration of Scripture. So, you know, those of us who have children, just so, so vitally important. Paul, Ephesians 6.4, tells fathers to bring their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's so vital that we teach our kids about God because certainly nobody else is going to, the school system is not going to do it, and the government's not going to do it. And, and, and their friends are not going to do it. it. It's up to us because we have an adversary. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. Of course, Peter makes the statement, um, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Satan is out to devour souls. And, and one way for Satan to do that is to destroy marriages. 
to destroy families, to dry, to break families apart. And last night we read a little bit there in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and, and, and Paul makes that uh, statement in verse 5 to not uh, deprive one another for, from their uh, from sexual relations, from their conjugal uh, duties to each other. He said, except by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer and then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Satan is always looking for ways to tempt us to sin. Any avenue that he can find, whether it be through pride or through lying or through our marriage and how we treat our spouse or how we treat our children or how we treat our parents, the home is under attack. Maybe the home's always been under attack, but now more than ever the home is under attack. There, there's just a variety of forces that are working to tell people that, that traditional values are, are not appropriate any longer. That, that traditional moral standards that, that have gotten us to this point are just to be thrown away. Just toss those to the side and ignore them. That, that there are better and newer ways of, of living and, and doing things. And, and so I want us to think about some enemies of the home for a few minutes. These are some of the forces out there that, that are aligned against us in our relationships to our spouse, to our parents, to our children. And, and number one, atheism is an enemy of the home. Agnosticism, atheism is, I, I don't believe in God, there's no such thing as God. Agnosticism is kind of, well, we don't really know if God's out there or not, or we just really can't figure out who God is or what God wants. They're, they're enemies of the home because because the, God is, is the foundation for what is right. God is our moral compass for us to go by. And, and if we disregard Him, then, then what are we left with? Well, we're left with mob rule. Basically, just the wants of the majority are, are what's going to carry the day. And, and human beings, uh, you know, as Jeremiah said, it's not a man that walks to, to direct his own steps. We, we just... Uh, we're fickle and we change our minds and we change our trends constantly and we think everything is just relative and we can't figure out what's right to save our lives. Psalm 14.1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. This isn't a sermon of evidences. This isn't a sermon to try to convince anybody to believe in the existence of God. That, that's a subject for another day and a worthwhile subject to pursue, but we're just kind of working under the assumption that if you're in this room this morning, you probably believe in God, and you probably believe in God's Son, Jesus Christ, or you wouldn't be here. But the world is out there teaching evolution and situation ethics. The world is out there teaching us and teaching our children that, that we're here because... There, there was a big bang 14 billion years ago and, and, and all the matter in the universe exploded out of a little thing about the size of the head of a pen, mysteriously. And, and we don't know why that happened. 
And, and we don't know where all that matter came from, but, but somehow it just exploded for some reason, and that all went out and formed stars and galaxies, and then planets uh, were spun off from those stars and cooled, and, and eventually, back uh, five billion years ago on the primordial Earth, some, as luck would have it, some little combination of chemicals somehow formed by random chance an amino acid that formed a protein that formed a little one-celled animal somehow, and, 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 and over a, a few more billions of years, through random genetic mutations, that little one-celled thing became a fish and became a reptile and became a dinosaur and became a bird and became an ape and became a human being. And therefore, there's no higher authority than us. And therefore, if it feels good, we'll just do it. Because who are you to tell me how to live? Your opinion is no better than mine. Those who doubt God doubt God's Word. And without God's Word, we don't have a standard. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's devoted to talking about the Word of God. Uh, and just over in verse 137, uh, the psalmist says, Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. And in verse 142, Your righteousness is righteous forever, and your law is true. And verse 144, Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. God's rules are right. And I think that history bears out that God's rules are right. That, that when we take things into our own hands, we, we kind of mess things up usually. The testimonies of the Lord are pure. Psalm, Psalm 19, the song that Danny led us in, they're desired, more to be desired than honey. Uh, we, we have to remember who's in charge and who created us. And, and doubt in the inspiration of Scripture is an enemy of the home. If, if I don't accept this then I'm going to end up in a totally different place than, than if I do. And it's, it's not going to be a good place. From our, from our study in, in the prior hour, though those biblical figures that we looked at, those biblical husbands and wives, brothers and, and siblings, you know, when, the, when they strayed away from God's principles and interjected their own thoughts and ideas, nothing good ever came as a result of that. If we don't accept God's teaching, we have no standard. As we read a second ago, 2 Timothy 3.15, uh, that, that all Scripture is inspired. It, it is all breathed out from the mouth of God. And, and Paul goes ahead to say there that it is profitable for us all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for, in, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God's Word can make us complete. And, and Christ, the Son of God, so it, it, you know, in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 32, Let's read verse 31. It was also said. This is what human beings say. 
It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, Jesus says, that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Do we believe Jesus? That's a statement by the Son of God. Do we, do we accept that as true? Or do we not? It's, it's not just human opinion from some rabbi wandering around the countryside 2,000 years ago. This is a being from the Godhead. This, this is deity speaking. Do we accept it or do we not? And I, I married a young lady in, on April 16th of 1988, almost 35 years ago. Had no idea what I was getting into. Maybe she did. I don't know. She seemed very calm and I seemed very nervous for some reason. And she reminds me of that every so often, how my hand was trembling when I put the ring on her finger. <laughs> and hers was, hers was smooth. You know, she, she wasn't worried about anything. But we, we have... Like everybody else in life, we've had problems, we've had difficulties, we've not always agreed about things, we've never, we've never yelled at each other, we've never called each other bad names, we've never thrown anything at the other one. We never have contemplated the possibility of divorce. I have never, never, never has that ever entered my mind as an option. And I am 100% confident it has never entered her mind as an option. We, we got married and we are married. And we are married until death. Because that's what Christ said. Now a lot of people don't, don't accept what Christ said and then well, it's, always, it's always there. It's always there in the back of your mind as an option. Well, I can always get out of this. You know, do, do we believe Christ's teachings or do we not? Love is, is commanded. In Titus, well, Colossians 3 and verse 19, Paul says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And in Titus 2 and verse 4, the older women are to teach the young women to love their husbands and children. Love is a command. We're commanded to love our wives. We're commanded to love our husbands. We're commanded to love our children. And in the 10 o'clock hour, we saw here's Isaac and Rebecca, and they've never laid eyes on each other before in their life. And hello, shake hands, your husband and wife. And, and, and again, we, we just fell out of love. We, we just grew apart. We just grew apart. Then, then grow back together. We, we, we need to try. And if we think, if we go into something expecting it to fail, it likely will. Relatives. Relatives can be enemies of the home. Relatives can be enemies of the home. In Matthew 19 and verse 5, Jesus again appeals back to the, to the prototype in Genesis where Adam says that a man will leave his father and mother 
and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Sometimes people don't want to let go of mom and dad. And sometimes mom and dad don't want to let go of little boy or little girl that's now an adult. So sometimes we're not willing to, to let people leave and form. We're forming a new family unit. And Kathy and I lived in a house for a couple of years, saving money to build a house. We lived in a house that, that her parents lived in before they moved out. And it was like 100 feet from her mom and dad's house. And uh, that, that was fine. They let us live our own life. We, we would go days at a time without seeing them sometimes. You know, they, they, they weren't always coming in, giving us advice, and well, this is how I would do this, and this is how that... And, and, I've, and if, if that was my parents, and don't tell them I said this. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't tell them I said But But if I was living that close to my parents, my mother would, would have driven us absolutely crazy. <laughs> um... You know, we, we, we got to let people have space. We got to let people make their own decisions. We, we've got to, to let, sometimes we have to let people fail to learn something from that. Um, but, but relatives and family can be overbearing and, and they can start tugging different ways. And, and, you know, like Isaac and Rebecca had their favorite son. Well, I, you know, there, there's my, my dear child and that, that other person over there is pulling them away from me and it's hard to let go. And we have to let go. We, let, we have to let, and we have to be willing to let go. Relatives can cause a lot of problems sometimes. And Hollywood and pop culture can cause a lot of problems sometimes. Because every, you know, we, we did just have radios in our homes, and then we got them in our cars, and then we got portable ones that we'd carry around with headphones, and then we got television in our homes. Now we've got little, little uh, communication devices in our pocket that I can whip out and look at videos and listen to music and podcasts, and, and, and we're, we're just inundated every waking minute with, with people throwing ideas and standards at us and, and, and a lot of this stuff promotes immorality. Hollywood promotes this image that marriage is dull, marriage is, is burdensome, the old ball and chain you know, and, and, and marriage is just a weariness, man. And, and, and to be single is to be carefree and you're just out frolicking, having fun. And actually, statistically, married people have sex a whole lot more often than single people do, if you look at the actual stats, as far as that goes. But, but there's this whole, you know, there's this whole atmosphere. Marriage, bad. Playing around, good. Being promiscuous, good. Uh, and we've already read uh, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 18 last night uh, where, where Paul says to flee fornication. Do not have anything to do with sexual immorality because my body belongs to Jesus Christ and not just to me. In Galatians 5 
uh, you know, Paul lists what he calls the works of the flesh. Verse 19, the works of the flesh are evident. And what's at the top of the list? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. Things like these, I warn you as I have warned before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You can have all the peace you want to have, as much as you want. There's no law against that. Hollywood and pop culture promotes immorality promotes homosexuality, is promoting transgenderism. Um, you know, every, every work uh, of TV and movies now has to have a gay lesbian character or two or three. Uh, you, if you just looked at, at televised stuff, you would think that about 30% of the population is gay or lesbian. And it's nowhere near that. But, but that, that, that's the current thing that's, that's being pushed, that's being promoted. Hollywood promotes immodest dress. You know, immodesty. We read in, in the prior hour, 1 Peter chapter 3, and, and in 1 Timothy 2, verses 9 and 10, Paul talks about modesty of, of behavior. Uh, likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire. You know, we often think of modesty in the sense of skimpiness of clothing, but Paul talks about excess of displaying uh, expensive stuff here to, to draw attention to myself. But what is proper? For women who profess godliness with good works. Hollywood promotes divorce. Because all, all those folks, you know, they get married and divorced and married and divorced and married and divorced five, six, seven, eight times. And it makes the news every time they do. And, and, and again, we've already looked at Malachi 2 the past couple of nights where, where it talks about that, that we're, if we divorce our spouse, we're being faithless and we're being treacherous to them and, and we're covering the altar of God with tears and sorrow because God hates divorce. But we have, we have all this media that promotes it and promotes sinful behaviors. And we have to be on guard. And we have the internet and social media. And these things are tools, and they can be used for great good. Facebook can be used to do a lot of Bible teaching. There are a lot of great articles out there on the internet that you can read. There's a lot of resource material for Bible study on the internet, and there's a lot of porn on the internet. Pornography is a blight upon our society. It's harmful, it's destructive, and it's estimated that maybe a third of all the web traffic out there is porn. A third. And it's estimated that some 42% of people who use the internet use it to view pornography. And 
you know, used to be, I, I was in college in the 1980s, back when the dinosaurs roamed the earth, to some of you here younger, and there was no such thing as the internet. And I went, I went to Center College in Danville, and there was this one bookstore in Danville, and they had, it was, they had a Hallmark shop and all that stuff. Well, back, back in the back corner, there were these magazines back there. And there were like mirrors all on the ceilings and stuff back in that corner. And, and you know, there, there was stuff back there that nobody had any, any need for. And, and, and so if you went back in that corner, well, everybody saw you go back there. Or, or if you go to, you know, went to Lexington to the adult bookstore, I mean, you, you were kind of out in the public. And so it, it, was, it was sort of embarrassing. And, and, and that may have kept a lot of people away from it. But now, man, I can whip my cell phone out and I can click about three times and I can just see anything I want to see. Wherever I might be. It's just, it's just so accessible and it's so easy. And, and sometimes you might be doing some legitimate search for something and you just kind of accidentally stumble across it. And one of the surveys uh, that I was looking at online, where I'm getting these numbers, say that like 34% of the people surveyed said that they had received unwanted exposure to porn. It just kind of, they stumbled across it accidentally. And there's estimated 40 million Americans view it on a regular basis. And no, it's not all men. There are women too. And it's addictive. And, and it's troublesome. And it presents false uh, uh, standards to people. And Christians are susceptible to it. And preachers are susceptible to it. Spend a lot of time alone pecking, pecking on the computer. And, and it's just so easy to fall into that. And it's not just pornography. Social media. You know, again, Facebook's got a lot of good uses, got a lot of bad uses. Facebook is ending marriages. Facebook uh, has, there's a lot of filth available through Facebook, TikTok, Pinterest, or just, uh, I've got Xbox Live, that, that, that video gaming can just consume people's lives and they just sit there engaged in that hours upon hours and they lose track maybe of their families because of it. Are, are, are these things just inherently bad? No, but we need to exercise control. Uh, I saw this. The likelihood of a person thinking about leaving his or her spouse in the last 12 months is nearly twice as high for people who frequently use social media compared to those who aren't on social work networking sites. Now, is that the cause or is that the effect? A am I thinking about leaving my spouse because I saw my old high school flame on Facebook that I hadn't had contact with for 25 years and I started chat with them? Or am I already thinking about leaving my spouse and that prompts me to get on Facebook and start looking up other people I know? I don't know the answer to that. And I'm not telling you to go throw all your cell phones in the garbage can. But I'm just saying, 
these things, the, these are negative influences that are out there and we need to be aware of them. And we need to think about them and we need to make smart choices for ourselves and also for our children before we give our cell phone to a three-year-old and let it babysit them all the time. In my generation, it was television that was the babysitter, <laughs> that you would just plop them down in front of MTV and leave them alone. Materialism is an enemy of the home. Now, we, we have an obligation to provide for our families, certainly. 1 Timothy 5 and verse 8, Paul talks about caring for widows, and he makes the statement, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. I'm supposed to feed my family and, and give them a roof over their head and clothe them. And, and so, you know, to have a job and to work at that job is good and, and to pursue, you know, to do my best at that job is good and, and to pursue what, you know, what, what I can for, for my family. But at the same time, Jesus says in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. We can let the job take control of our lives. We can let the job interfere with our relationship with our spouse or our kids. We, we can let the job drive our lives to the extent that we never see our husband or wife or talk to them, or we, can, we never go to the kids' ball game or archery tournament or whatever you know, events they're involved in. We're, we're never there because we're always working, working, working. And, and Solomon talks about the idea of toiling after the wind in Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 10, that, that the pursuit of stuff and of money can just become an obsession with us. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. He is the father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. And as he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again. Naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil, just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Trying to, trying to grab the wind and catch it. And it just always slips through your fingers. We, we can't take our stuff with us. Danny... Uh, we, we were here a few weeks ago on Sunday when it, when it snowed or when it was cold and Danny had the sermon about King Tut and the treasures of Egypt and, and about they, they, they broke into King Tut's tomb and there's all that millions and millions of dollars of gold in there and those pharaohs they would give them canoes and, and hunting you know, spears and, and, and knives and things for them to use in the afterlife and you know what? They didn't take a bit of that stuff with them because when, when we dug into that tomb... 
2,000 years later, it's all sitting there gathering dust because none of that's going to do us any good in eternity. Materialism is an enemy of the home. Seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. These material things will be, will be taken care of, Jesus said. And complacency. Complacency is a big enemy of the home. And, and, I, and I, again, I don't want to rehash. I said this the other night. That people get married because they grow to love each other from a period of courtship. Do we not need to continue these things to sustain it? We, we, we forget about each other. We get to some point that all we talk about is the bills or the kids. And the kids are going to grow up and move out and then suddenly we have nothing to talk about anymore. We, we, we lose sight of why you know, we thought that person was the greatest thing in the history of the world. That was the most beautiful person to us that we had ever laid eyes on. And then we start living together in marriage and then we start noticing all the little flaws and all the little odd things that that person does and all the little eccentricities and, and, and we become critical and, and we get so busy with, with job and school and kids and all this, we don't spend time together alone anymore and, and our, our conversation goes from these deep things to just kind of surface level stuff and, and maybe we need to back up and, and try harder because again, love is something we do. It's not just a, a vague feeling. 1 Corinthians 13 um, talks about love. And it's not talking about marital love. It's talking about Christian love. It's kind of love we ought to have for everybody. But love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is how I ought to treat my brothers and sisters in the church, but certainly it's how I ought to treat my spouse. It's how I ought to treat my children and my parents with love. Not, not being rude, not being selfish, patience. Don't always assume the worst, assume the best. Attentive to each other's needs. Again, there in 1 Corinthians 7. I'll not reread it, but don't, don't, don't deprive each other of the needs we might have. Proverbs 15, verse 17. The writer says, Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. And in Proverbs 19 and verse 13, a foolish son is ruined to his father and a wife's quarreling is a continual dripping of rain. A continual dripping of rain. You ever, you ever lay in bed at night trying, trying to sleep and, and, and you just hear, 
It's that faucet that's leaking in there in the bathtub or it's raining and the gutter's got a little leak in it and you're just laying there and it's just over and over and over. And, and that's, that, that's a, a complaining spouse. A, a wife's quarreling is a, is a constant dripping. Solomon says. Now Solomon's writing to the young man. I'm sure a husband's complaining is constant dripping too, ladies. But, but Proverbs is directed to the young man from the older man. Don't, we don't need constant complaining, constant bickering. The Hebrews were always complaining about God and Moses and that, that didn't do them any good. That got them in trouble. Okay, we're, we're winding, we're at the end here. 1 Peter 3, verse 7, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers be not hindered. I, I just like to highlight, number one, understanding. We need to try to understand each other. Have understanding and honor. Honor, that we're going to res be respectful of one another and heirs with you. We're, we're trying to get to heaven. As a husband and a wife and parents of kids, we're, we're trying to get everybody to heaven, just like as brothers and sisters here in the congregation. We're trying to get everybody to heaven. And we always need to remember that. And, and, and that our prayers can be hindered if I'm not doing my best as, as a spouse or as a father. It can hinder my relationship to God. All right, we're, we're going to sing the invitation song that Danny has recommended. We need to hear the teachings of the gospel because they are inspired from God. They are God's word. And we need to believe in God's son, Jesus, because he's not just some philosopher. He is, in fact, the son of God, and his words will judge us. And the scriptures teach us to repent of our sins. God now commands all men everywhere to repent, Paul said in Acts 17 and verse 30. And to confess our faith in Christ, Jesus doesn't want secret disciples. He wants disciples who will tell someone else that they believe in Him. And baptism, baptism for the remission of sins, as Peter commanded there at Pentecost. And, and, and then as Christians to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, as Peter tells them to do, 2 Peter 3 and verse 18. If you're here this morning and we can be of any assistance to you, we invite you to come while we stand and sing.